According to the FBI, mass murder is defined as four or more murders during an event with no cooling off period between the murders. The tragedy in Newtown, Connecticut, is the latest in what seems to be a spike in spree killings over the past decade. Statistics show that in the past 30 years, America has mourned at least 62 mass murders. And according to Mother Jones magazine, 24 of these events have happened in the last seven years. We should note in compiling these statistics, Mother Jones did not include armed robbery or gang related violence, concentrating instead on the spree-type killings like in Newtown, Connecticut, and the one in Aurora, Colorado, uh, in the movie theater earlier this year. Statistics also show that perpetrators of these killings are often suffering from mental illness. This prompts many questions about how our society deals with mental health diagnosis and treatment. And joining us to talk about the psychological aspects of mass murder is Dr. Michael Oprazese and Dr. Mark Whaley. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Mindy. I don't even know where to begin with this. Let's just start with sharing your thoughts on, on what happened. Well, you know, the, the initial thought is shock and perplexity. Uh, and uh, everybody, I think, has commented and, and experienced that. Um, then you go to uh, trying to figure out uh, why. And the, the next, quite, next thought is uh, hopefully you'll know why, so you'll know what to do to prevent. Uh, this is obviously very uh, uh, frightening for everyone. Um, the whys, um, uh, from what we know about spree killings before, we do know that mental health issues play a large part in a good deal of them, uh, at least more than half. Um, and uh, uh, so that we, we want to know uh, what uh, uh, made this particular individual have such distorted thinking. Uh, and then, of course, uh, aberrant behavior. Um, there has to be some mental illness uh, or some, something involved there that distorted his, uh, his thinking. We won't know uh, exactly. Uh, it's unfortunate that he apparently destroyed a lot of um, uh, things that he was searching on the web and, and that sort of thing. Maybe there'll be some information coming from that. Uh, the person that would know the most is, was his first victim, his mother. So we're going to be in the dark uh, about this. But we do know from other um, uh, studies uh, about uh, these rampage uh, murders that um, uh, mental illness is frequently involved. Uh, Also, we know that the uh, killers are uh, different usually uh, than usual murderers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not uh, socioeconomically um, uh, oppressed like other murderers. and um, uh, one article uh, uh, likened them to the uh, suicide uh, uh, bombers mm. um, uh, because they get to a point where they want to kill and be killed. Mm-hmm. This is not a whodunit crime. Uh, these The murderers uh, that do these spree killings don't get away. Uh, and There's no um, uh, mystery involved. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it. Uh, the, the whodunit part is why done it, why they done it. Why, exactly. um, and uh, we're in the dark um, and we will be in the dark. There'll be some, uh, I think as time goes on, we'll have some more light. Um, but um, um, uh, this is uh, uh, certainly... The only good news here is that it's rare, very, very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, it, with it being rare, that means that uh, it's very hard to study yeah. and really get some uh, absolute trends about. Uh, but uh, thankfully, it's rare. Well, it's it's true that there's so much information out there that it's hard to focus on on the salient details. But I think it's important to understand that probably the most important thing to do is to stop even erroneously trying to answer the question why and focus on all the the horrific negative aspects and try and find, not try to find, you must find the reliance on positive, helpful people around that can 
that can carry things forward. So we make a mistake if we only focus on on the negative things about why this happened and try and go backwards in the history. I think it's important to try and go forwards and see what we can do to be proactive on it. And to that end, there's so much, so much data out there that we're all getting from the media. And after hearing several days of media reports, I have no idea what's accurate or what isn't accurate anymore. The only people who probably know are the investigating police officers, and they very wisely are releasing very little information. And so much of it gets distorted through the columnists and the newspapers and the some of the talk show hosts and uh, people who call in. People are very confused and, I think, frightened trying to make sense of it. It's difficult to make sense of it unless you take a look at the at the broader picture of society. There are very few common denominators, but if there are any common denominators, it would be a sense of overwhelming helplessness that leads one to believe they must lash out finally in retribution for all the pain and suffering that society has inflicted upon them. They're never going to be able to go back to the individuals who have wronged them so they have no other recourse in their own mind except to lash out as as much as they can. And certainly weapons, people have known for a long time that weapons are considered considered to be the great equalizer. Even back in the Old West, if you had a handgun, you were supposed to be equal to any other man. And I've had patients who, who talk to me about having a weapons permit and carrying a gun because it makes them feel on equal footing with anyone who might try to as one patient told me, any street punk who tries to rob me, this man is not going to take away what I have. I've got something that can put me on an equal footing with him. So weapons have always been a means of having people feel equal to an aggressor or superior to people who are aggressors. But we really have to address a broad number of issues on a whole social level if we want to be able to successfully mitigate this kind of thing from happening again. Any measures that just tackle one or two elements are not going to be very successful. Sure. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, looking for the positive, and mm-hmm. I want to share something. Uh, Mr. Rogers' photo has been, I guess, gone viral on, on Facebook, um, and it's uh, along with a quote that he said, uh, when I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping to this day, especially in times of disaster. I remember my mother's words, and I am always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in this world. Yes. It's a lovely thought. It certainly is. I mean, and and before we kind of get into some of the, 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 you know, psychological aspects of of this, let's talk about talking to your kids, because that's what I've been hearing from a lot of my friends, especially with younger kids, is how much do I say? What do you know? Do I do I ask them? Have they heard anything? How how do you address this with your children? Well, First off, you address it you know, where the kid is, uh, and you get to know where the kid is by a number of different things, but certainly what they say and how they act. Um, uh, you can certainly inquire if they, if they don't say anything or do anything suggestive of knowledge about this. Is uh, uh, you know Something bad happened uh, uh, recently. Have you heard anything about it? Um, and uh, what's on your mind about it? Uh, and then answer the questions or an- address the issues that they bring up. Uh, rather than um, uh, paint some kind of uh, uh, pre-rehearsed uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, movie or uh, picture about this whole thing, um, uh, you want to take it to where they, from where the kids are, and uh, get to the message that they're safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably wouldn't even go in the direction that Mark suggested, even as gentle a methodology as he suggested. I probably 
wouldn't even reference anything uh, to a child other than, how did your day go, anything new and different happening, what are you guys talking about, something like that. Because I think I think it's safe to say that this is an issue that shocks and terrifies adults much more than kids. And there have been other episodes when I've talked to people that uh, I see about other shootings that involve teenagers and people in the movie theater and other things. And I've never really had any child or any teenager comment on that as being relevant to their to their lives, and they're not afraid about it. They don't actually think it's going to happen to them. So I think they're relatively unscathed, and that's a good thing. And I think we run the risk of introducing some fear and anxiety where we ought not to be doing that. So I'd be very careful in trying to even broach the subject gently because it's going to prompt most children to say, no, why? What are you talking about? Yeah, what about? happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oops. Oh, <laughs> yeah. now what do I say? What yeah. am I missing? Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. But, but if your child does have questions, you want to yeah. answer their you questions. You want to be able to respond and, to that. And, yeah. and also there's a dyna- dynamic that some kids uh, don't want to bring up scary things uh, mm-hmm. uh, to upset their parents mm-hmm. uh, sure. out of protecting their parents, out of feeling that their parents are fragile. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people have all sorts of uh, uh, perceptions and sensations. Uh, but this has been a universal experience for, uh, you know, I mean, a global experience experience for uh, every American, really, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, is not living under a rock uh, is, uh, has been shocked by this. Um, uh, so um, it's, it's out there. It's in the air. Right. Well, I think kids might not have seen the news, but they go to school and right. their friends are talking about it. Or I know well, a lot of the schools have been addressing it with the kids. Yeah, I don't think, the, I don't think their friends are talking about it. Really? I don't mm-hmm. think they are. I think anyone talks about it. It's an adult-driven kind of thing. If adults talk about it, the kids will talk about it. The media talks about it. And uh, it's it's covered in the news, but it's not really something on the kids' radar screen. Just not something that is really important to them that they that they talk about. And kids notice everything. They don't, as Mark says, they don't say everything, but they right. notice everything. And I know that kids, some kids are noticing increased police activity around their school mm-hmm. oh, yeah. because when you have there's some schools have always had a security guard or they've always had a security officer come in and do presentations, and that's really the way you want to introduce police to the school. Officer Jim or Officer Sally comes in, and they're in there three or four times a week doing this, that, or the other, making presentations. So when they're in the school, it's part of the normal experience. If that doesn't happen, of course, your child's going to say, what is that police car doing here? Why are these police people in in the building? And then you'd have to answer that question. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be very careful how we're going to introduce our aspect of safety to the kids and understand that this is more based on our anxiety and our fear than on the children's fear. Mm. Our toll-free number, if you'd like to join our conversation, is 866-999-4626. That's 866-999-4626. Our email address is thepoint at wgbh.org. We mentioned um, that many of the in these crimes, many people are suffering from some sort of mental illness. But I guess we should also mention that the there's overwhelming epidemiological evidence that the vast majority of people with some kind of psychiatric disorder do not commit violent acts. Yes, please, please get that message out there and and listen to it and remember it. Uh, Just because you have a mental illness does not mean you're going to be uh, uh, a homicidal maniac. Mm -hmm. Um, um, The only time statistically when uh, people with mental illness uh, are more dangerous than the general population is those people with mental illness when they stop their medication um, uh, and or uh, when they're uh, abusing drugs or alcohol. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you want to uh, identify one thing uh, that uh, leads and paves the way to uh, horrendous violence, it's alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, 
Uh, we live with that all the time. We accept it. Uh, we regulate it. Uh, interesting that we can't regulate guns, um, mm. uh, in a, you know, in a similar way, uh, perhaps to at least. With alcohol, we accept that there's uh, uh, health and danger risks, so we regulate it. Uh, we reduce the risks. We can't eliminate it. Um, a prohibition showed us that. But we at least do something to reduce the risk. With guns, uh, we uh, the politicians, at least, and in, in recent times, have been um, uh, reluctant to start to regulate and reduce risk to public health, mm-hmm. and that's where the um, uh, where the argument about gun control needs to be uh, held under the umbrella of public health safety. Right, it's all a public health issue, and the way we treat people is a public health issue. The way the the medical establishment, the insurance companies, treat people. Uh, with so-called mental illness, you know, people use that term. Mark uses it, and it's in the publications all the time. Mental illness is such an ill-defined term; it's it's probably should be uh, thrown away because it's it's non-descriptive at this point. So, somebody who has a reactive anxiety or a little brief panic attack uh, can be considered mentally ill, but uh, someone who's just angry all the time is not going to be considered mentally ill. Well, I can. I can give my bet as to who's going to pick up a gun mm-hmm. if they have one available. It's not the guy who has a panic attack. It's the That's guy right. who's chronically angry. Sure. So I think we have to get rid of that term, mental illness. And um, it's not true. I've heard this. people say this. It's not true that we all get a little crazy sometimes. We all are a little crazy. That's a bunch of baloney. That simply is not true. And it's important to understand that it, there's a lot of evidence to indicate that people who use any kind of violence, it's based on anger and it's based on uh, fear. So people who are fearful and angry are much more likely to commit acts of violence than uh, people who are uh, reduced to passivity because of their own so-called psychological issues that, that prevent them from interacting with other people. And as a society, we have to be educated to treat people with a lot more respect, which is something that is in very short supply. So it has to be a, a pan-developmental change in the way we educate people how to treat each other. It has to also be a change, for example, in the insurance and health industry in how we pay for care. Mm-hmm. People sometimes say, well, we need some more people who are going to treat mental health issues. We need some more. Why, do, why can't we just get them and force them to take their medication? Well, medication is not the answer for, for people who have anger issues. And you don't have enough providers who are trained and skilled to treat any kind of psychological issues. You don't have them. And even if you did have them, the insurance companies don't all credential them on their panels. A change to that is going to be a change in legislation that has any willing provider. So Joe Smith, Sally Jones, anyone down the street, anyone in the next town, they'll take your insurance. If they're willing to take it, then your insurance will cover them. Otherwise, you're not going to have access to health care. And when the the health legislation kicks in fully in 2014, people are going to find they're not going to have enough primary care physicians throughout the country to provide care to all these people. And there are not enough psychologically trained so-called mental health technicians or clinicians who are available right now to treat all the people who need help. So there's going to be a huge clash that the society is going to have to deal with. And this is just one indication of it. Yeah. Sure. I would backtrack a little bit um, when you were talking about uh, uh, fear and, and uh, helplessness. Absolutely, that's a necessary ingredient here. Uh, the other necessary ingredient, though, is a lack of a braking system. Uh, and when people say, I always get crazy a little bit, uh, I think what they're saying is everybody might have an urge to go shoot up something. Um, but they don't do it. Yeah. They don't do it. Yeah. Uh, that's the point. Yeah. They, they have an urge, um, and they, that's as far as it goes, just because they're frustrated about mm-hmm. something. 
Um, but the question is, what makes somebody's braking system defective? Uh, and that's uh, those are the individuals that uh, uh, we have to be uh, concerned about and frightened about yeah. and identify early enough. Uh, because uh, what we know from the other uh, rampage killings is most of them telegraphed their intentions beforehand. Uh, and um, uh, and it was building for a while. Right. It wasn't. A, it was a sudden explosion. Um, uh, uh, the impulse is when what defines the timing of the event, mm-hmm. but it doesn't define. It doesn't um, define the event. The event was building and building over months, right. um, and uh, people. Sometimes they keep it secret. Uh, the Columbine killers did that, um, uh, but still, there there has to be uh, um, uh, some. Um, blindness, some blinders that we all have um, uh, uh, to uh, uh, violence coming up. And I can certainly empathize with the mother uh, who was a victim here um, uh, in this uh, Connecticut event, um, uh, not wanting to see uh, uh, whatever violence might have been brewing that she was aware of. We don't know what she was aware of, if it was, uh, and how obvious it was. Uh, But I could certainly see if there were signs that she was aware of, she would dismiss them. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a question I have too. Is is you know because a lot of times we we find out information after the fact. We think, well, gosh, how did how come nobody noticed this? Nobody saw this coming. And you know, like you're saying, some some have said they were going to do this or they've given some signs. But it, it is sometimes difficult to recognize that when it's happening. That's right, and, and wanting to recognize it too. Um, it, it's a hor- You're in a horrible uh, position. Uh, yeah, I I don't it. want to be negative about this, but I don't think it's possible to to do that. It's not possible to recognize why person A, who's very withdrawn or even autistic or Asperger's or uh, depressed or any kind of condition you want to mention, or paranoid, or mm-hmm. paranoid. What makes a person A who has that symptomatology decide to pick up a gun, right. and why? Mm-hmm person B does not, right. and why person C picks up a semi-automatic and goes to the shooting range with his buddies to get his anger out, why person D uh, joins a boxing club and gets his anger out boxing right. on the bag, right. and why person uh, G, H, or I decides to shoot something. There's not mm-hmm. a way to figure that out, a uh, right. priori, I don't think. You mentioned the Asperger syndrome, which we've heard a lot in no. the press, and, and mentioning that the, this is part of the autism spectrum. Um there seems to be speculation that Asperger's is, is playing a part in this, but we should mention Asperger's is is not a mental illness. Well, again, how do you want to define mental yeah. illness? You know, it's I mean, a, this is, it's, a, it's more it, of a neurological disorder. It is. Yeah. It is a neurodevelopmental disorder in which uh, there's deficits. Asperger's deficits primarily of, of social interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some uh, messed up wiring in the brain having to do with uh, social uh, abilities. Um, right. Consider the developmental disability more than a so-called mental illness diagnosable right. condition right. by the health department and reimbursable, but not consider the uh, yeah. um, mentally mental illness mm-hmm. as defined currently. It's like yes. a dyslexia or a mental retardation of social mm-hmm. skills, yeah. not of cognitive ones. Right. Uh, a listener from Barnstable says she's a mother of three teenage boys, and she uh, wants to mention the prevalence of video games in the lives of young people. Many of them involve shooting. Any thoughts on the role of video games in this context? Well, I think I think beyond being able to say unequivocally that it results in a desensitization to certain acts of three-dimensional distant violence, you cannot say it's a precursor to mass shootings. I mean, everything is desensitization. People get desensitized to each other's humanity. You could do that just by 
uh, listening to certain uh, talk show hosts or reading uh, newspaper accounts of violence that happened even 30, 40 years ago or seeing uh, seeing videos of autopsies or other kinds of things. There's desensitization uh, to our humanity happens to us every day. But what is the trigger, or the word I would use is precipitant, that Mark talks about the why of why things. In common parlance, so the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, what is that last straw that makes someone do this? You can't say video games are going to be the things that do that. So certainly there, there are some people who, if they play a video game or they see a, a violent movie or they see a decisive, a decisive movie, that'll influence them to do something they've had in their mind for a long time. Many, many years ago, the story was, if I get this correct, and people can correct me if they, they can call in, that Richard Nixon allegedly was watching the movie Patton the night before he decided uh, to go in, I think, uh, to invade... Uh, <laughs> Cambodia? Was it? Uh, yeah, Cambodia maybe was that was it. Yeah. So uh, so if that can be true, yeah, there are there's some some things that you can point to, but certainly he would have to base his decision on more than watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Of course. So that might have been a coincidence or that might have been just the last thing that he was already planning on doing. It's really hard to, to parse this out. So video games are always one of the likely suspects, but whether they are the determinant or not is open to question. No, but if, if you're, you're, uh, I think you're quite correct about the uh, uh, potential problem with video games is the desensitization. Right. Yeah. So if you're a parent and you're struggling with your kids uh, getting involved in this, uh, maybe do some exercises with them that involve sensitization. Mm-hmm. Excellent uh, idea. Uh, ask yeah. them uh, to tell you about uh, uh, their interaction in school where somebody's feelings were hurt and why they were hurt, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise that part of the brain. Right. You know, it's really important to, to mention that there are, there are programs in positive psychology, we spoke about this before yeah. one of our shows, where they have resilience training in, in uh, that has been developed by psychologists that are available to be purchased by schools and implemented in schools. We should be focusing more on developing resilience and more respect and the kind of things that Mark mm-hmm. is talking about, which maybe years ago they did that, but I don't right. think they have that as part of their curriculum right. now. Right. No. George is giving us a call from Vineyard Haven. Good morning, George. Hi, George. Taking a look at the potential effect of antipsychotic and antidepressant medicines, pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. I see these ads on TV, and sometimes they say, you know, one of the side effects could be suicidal thoughts, suicidal tendencies. I mean, could that be a potential factor? Well, that it's true that um, there are side effects that that people don't talk about because all the side effects that they advertise on the little box and they talk about in television, no one gets every single one of those side effects. But that certainly could play a role in some cases, and you really don't know exactly if that is a a major role or just a minor role. Mark? Yeah, that's exactly the problem. Um, uh, yes, it can happen. Uh, it that The suicidal and homicidal acts on the basis purely of medication is very, very rare. Um, uh, and um, uh, it, it's not uh, frequent enough to uh, warrant not using the medication. Uh, we always make that risk-benefit uh, decision, and the, the, the decision always falls on the side of uh, taking that uh, a very, very low risk that something bad like a homicidal or suicidal idea uh, can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it really means for practitioners is watch. Yeah. Uh, don't just uh, uh, write the script and, and uh, uh, say bye. Right, and then as, as a patient... D- t- Telling your doctor That's when, right. you, when things true. are happening. Yeah. yeah, George, thank you for the phone call. Yeah, also, a final point on that. Many people, if they're going to have any kind of reaction, it's usually much more uh, physiological. They're going to get yeah. sick. They're going to feel lousy. And they're going to tell someone or they're going to be off the medication because some of the medication, uh, all these medications 
none of them work for everyone. Oh, sure. So mm-hmm. even something as tried and true as Ritalin for ADHD, even that does not work for everyone. That mm-hmm. sometimes hits people wrong, and the success rates on that might be in the 70, 60, or 70 percentile range for that. So you know, tried and true medication, we know the side effect profile on that. Even that doesn't work for everyone. So some of these medications that people want these so-called mentally ill people to be on aren't going to be effective for them. It's just right. not going to work for them. One of the things that we've heard a lot about is um, mass murderers having this desire to acquire fame and glory mm-hmm. through killing. Um, and as we learn more about what's happened in, in the Newtown tragedy and others like it, the more press coverage that these events get, the more fame the perpetrators get. And also um, there's a question of does it lead to the copycat you know, killings. All those well, things. Think, you have to say those are factors. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't uh, think there's valid any, things to pay attention to. I don't think there's any question that we all have to be aware of the copycat factor. You know, suicides, homicides, uh, spree killings. There's going to be someone somewhere who has it in their mind that uh, maybe they might do the same kind of thing. And of course, the fame doesn't affect the the shooter who is uh, dead now, who killed themselves. But uh, could be an inducement. Could certainly be an inducement for someone else down the line to say, well, you know, I'm going to do this to try and get some fame. But again, that would not be, that would be not the, the first choice. The, the underlying the underlying influence in that, I think, is their own sense of inadequacy and insecurity right. and, and wanting to get back mm-hmm. at people. And I think that is the first thing. It's, it's the kind of thing that make people say, well, then they'll be sorry mm-hmm. that they did this That's to right. me. And the person who did whatever they did or thought that was done to them is long gone. Right. They have so no we all have fantasies that. of uh, uh, maybe having our, watching our own funeral and, seeing, and watching the people that we hate uh, mm-hmm. uh, regret so much of how they hurt us. How bad did they treat well, us? And that yes. kind of brings us back to that big question of why. Everyone say why. And even if we find out, ever find out why, it probably won't make any sense to us. No, it, well, it, it won't be in, in the sense that it's not rational. So I just made a very reasoned explanation why someone can do that, but it's not right. rational thought. Right. No, 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 but you can empathize with the uh, shooter here that uh, here he's ex- experienced a good deal of uh, oppression, uh, uh, injury. Mm-hmm. He's passive, he's helpless, um, develops a fantasy that uh, 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 treats that, if you will, mm. kind of self-medicates it. Uh, and then you add to it the thought, uh, not only will I have power now, um, but I'm going to be um, uh, seen as wonderful and, mm. and as a hero. Oh, okay. uh, you, that's very seductive. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then you, uh, again, liken that to the uh, uh, to the uh, uh, Muslim uh, suicide bombers, and you can see why uh, the propaganda that they um, uh, produce is seductive. Mm. Well, I think that all those hypotheses are, are a good hypothesis, any one of which could be the trigger or the precipitant that makes right. someone do that. But I think the, uh, in a recent article I read where someone does equate this type of uh, killing to suicide bombers is probably the most cogent explanation of why suicide bombers uh, do what they do. Yeah. They, they are manipulated using the same kind of psychological principles and hypotheses that Mark and I talk about all the time, and they're very skillfully manipulated to do that. Someone who's an isolated shooter... He's not being skillfully manipulated by anyone except his own irrational thoughts. That's right. Dr. Michael Abrazese, Dr. Mark Whaley, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Mindy. I'm Mindy Todd. Thanks for listening. The Point airs weekdays at 9.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. We're also on Facebook at The Point WCAI. The Point is produced by Amy Vince. The executive producer is Mindy Todd. Production assistance from Dan Tritle and Jenny Junker. Theme music by Benjamin Verdery and William Coulter. The Point is a production of the Cape and Islands NPR station, a service of WGBH.